What is up, everybody? Welcome into yet another edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. I hope you all are having wonderful Wednesdays so far. And what I'm going to be getting into today is I'm sort of going to be recapping some of the major events that took place in the sports world uh, this past week and even going into this week as the Stanley Cup final continues in the National Hockey League. So I'm going to be talking about that. I'm also going to be talking about the NBA Finals that just wrapped up, and what I think the future of the Golden State Warriors could be as they have uh, just celebrated their fourth NBA championship in the last eight seasons, which is pretty remarkable, obviously. And the U.S. Open is the last thing that I'm going to be touching on with Matthew Fitzpatrick taking home the U.S. Open championship at the the country club. And And yes, that is literally the name of the golf course. It is called the country club up in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. So I'm going to be doing a little quick recap of that as well. Uh, So I guess I'm going to go ahead and get going here with the Stanley Cup final in the NHL. And... I'm just going to be diving into that very quickly because it is still ongoing. Uh, Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning got back into it on Monday night, winning uh, by a score of 6-2 to cut the Colorado Avalanche's lead in the series to two games to one. I mean, I want to give a little quick recap of the first two games. Uh, They were obviously a a clean sweep by the Avs. And they took game one by a score of four to three. And they took game two by a score of seven to nothing, which was... Really a bit of a downer, obviously, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time reigning and defending Stanley Cup champions. But it was a bit, bit of a shocking performance to me, talking about the performance of the, or lack of performance, depending on how you want to look at it, by the... Lightning because they uh, they boast, frankly, the 
one of, in my mind, one of, if not the top goalies in all of the NHL and uh, Andre Vasilevsky. And obviously a lot of you Preds fans out there, and of course I'm one of them, but the, all of that aside, uh, I, having said that, I sort of have to be unbiased, if you will, and while I do think that UC Soros from the Preds is obviously a very good goaltender, he is not necessarily at the level of a of a guy like Andre Vasilevsky. He's close, but uh, I would still put Vasilevsky, excuse me, I would still put Vasilevsky a little bit further ahead from Soros, but really a bad night for uh, Vasilevsky and the Lightning giving up all those goals and not having the offense to match Colorado, but obviously Monday night, the series shifted back to Florida, I believe. And the and the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to uh, cut that series lead by, of the Avalanche to two games to one. And for those of you who were wondering uh, when game four will be, uh, it is it is scheduled for tonight at seven o'clock, and game five will be on Friday at seven o'clock because obviously now with the Lightning taking game three on Monday night, there are going to be at least five games in the Stanley Cup final. And so that's just even more uh, playoff hockey for fans to enjoy uh, in the near future. Second thing I want to talk about is the NBA finals and the behemoth that is that are the Golden State Warriors. And I cut the reason I call them a behemoth is because they of course uh, defeated the Boston Celtics in game six by a score of 103 to 90. And just at, 
for sake of, of personal privilege, I guess I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I, I really do regret the fact that I did not decide to put any money on this series as far as betting goes. Because before the finals even began, I uh, had predicted that Golden State would win it in six games. And lo and, lo and behold, uh, apparently I, m- I must have spoken that into existence because the Golden State Warriors obviously won the finals in six games. And I just... I just am going to be keeping I'm going to be crying myself to sleep at night uh probably for the foreseeable future just for the fact that I did not decide to put a massive amount of money on that series now all all kidding aside It was obviously a tremendous uh, victory for the Warriors. And, of course, the main reason for that is they uh, came away with their fourth NBA title in the last eight years, as I mentioned at the top of the show. But another reason why it was so magnificent is Steph Curry, the chef, was cooking throughout the, really the entire playoff, uh, playoff run that the Warriors had, but especially in the, in the finals in particular, having coming back, having, uh, came back from his injury that he suffered and, Really, really going back to Game Five when he scored uh, forty-three points in the Warriors' victory in Game Five. But uh, you look at his performance in Game Six; he came away with thirty-four points and seven rebounds and seven assists. Which, and the the age is another interesting factor in this as well, because I believe Steph Curry is 34 years old, and to have a performance like that uh, in the NBA Finals, biggest the biggest stage after having suffered the sort of injury that he suffered i, b- I believe it was a, it was a leg injury of some kind uh it's pretty remarkable and something that steph curry is obviously 
proud of and just another uh, very important takeaway for him not a, and obvi- obviously he doesn't he's not going to say this but uh you know he's going to say things like it's all about the team it's not all about one player blah 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 but in the back of his mind he's got to be thinking you, you know what for me to me to perform like this over the last two games of the finals is pretty incredible and obviously i feel like that's something that is in the back of staff's mind but At the end of the day, I, I also think that Steph Curry is one of those ultimate team guys, and he's not going to let his individual performance overshadow uh, his team's performance, especially after winning a championship. Uh, in the loss for the Celtics, one big takeaway that I have from the Boston Celtics perspective, perspective is Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown still, still managed to finish with 34 points by far leading the Celtics uh, in the scorebook. But, obviously, the finals did not turn out the way that Jalen Brown hoped they would. But, one of the, and I guess I'm going to touch on this for a little bit. Uh, As much as this loss uh, hurts for Boston, I do think that they very much have a lot to look forward to as we uh, move down the road into the 2022-2023 seasons. Because they have a lot of youth on their side as well. And when when you look at a guy like a Jalen Brown, and when you look at a guy like a... Jason Tatum, who is an absolute monster in his own right. Uh, Certainly, he did not fit the billing of that status in Game 6. But throughout the course of the playoffs, I mean, Jason Tatum is a huge reason why the Boston Celtics got to be in the position they were in. And the way he and Jalen Brown played together uh, did a lot to get Boston over that hump in the East. 
And another uh, guy that that I want to touch on really quickly as far as the youth goes for the Boston Celtics is, and a lot a lot of you Vols fans out there are. going to be very familiar with this name I'm about to to recite is Grant Williams and uh, of course a lot of, of course the reason I say that is because of the phenomenal career that Grant Williams had at the University of Tennessee but And I've, and obviously I sort of wish that the Vols fan and me sort of wishes that Grant Williams was still in Knoxville because he probably could have gotten them over the hump in the tournament. Now, uh, all joking aside, of course, having said that, uh, I do think that Grant Williams is going to play a big role going forward for the Celtics as one of those younger guys that is in the mix. And it's, I think it's also important to have a sort of veteran presence in the locker room as well, which is what... Boston has in a guy like Al Horford. So, for all of you uh, Boston Celtics fans out there, fear not, because I do think that despite coming up short in the finals this year, uh, I do think that you guys have a lot to look forward to in the years to come. But what it, the question now remains, uh, going back to the Golden State Warriors, uh, what does this mean for them? And I think as of right now, I have... No reason to believe that they are going to be slowing down anytime soon because uh, as it stands right now, uh, the, the big three, if you will, and in basketball, we've become used to hearing that term big three, obviously, uh, since... Kevin Durant has since left Golden State. Uh, the big three has sort of gone back to the original big three of the Warriors, which were Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, who and I and I regret not touching on him earlier because for him to come back. 
from his injury and perform the way he did in these playoffs, I think is pretty remarkable as well. But the uh, big three of the Golden State Warriors before, obviously, KD came into the fold a few years ago was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And this year, they sort of uh, went back to the focus of having those three guys be the main glue that keeps everybody together. I mean, obviously, the Warriors had a few guys that stepped up this year when you look at guys like uh, Jordan Poole and Otto Porter Jr. And especially looking forward into next year, uh, having a guy like a James Wiseman, who many of you college basketball fans out there is a name that you might remember uh, from his relatively brief stint at the University of Memphis. But he is in the fold for the Warriors as well. And it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, his career progresses as he moves forward, but Having said all of that, uh, the Warriors sort of flow through the three main uh, stars of the team, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And as it stands right now, uh, all of the, all three of those guys uh, are under contract for the next year or two. And so really for that reason alone, uh, I have no reason to believe that Golden State is uh, on track to win their fifth title in nine years in the upcoming uh, NBA season, and obviously there's going to be a lot of th- different things that happen in the off season as far as free agency and the draft goes. And the draft, the draft, by the way, quick note, uh, I do believe that the NBA draft is tomorrow night. So, it is going to be very interesting to see how the draft and free agency sort of shape the NBA's landscape uh, going into next season. But, mm, when you look at the 
who the front runner is, uh, there's really no, no question in my mind that the Golden State Warriors are once again uh, going to be in the driver's seat for their fifth NBA title, what will be their fifth NBA title in the past will be nine seasons. Uh, So that is pretty much it for the NBA roundup, if you will. I want to touch on the PGA very quickly and the U.S. Open uh, before I get out of here today. Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick claimed victory at the U.S. Open after shooting six under par for the tournament. And what's really remarkable is the really the all of the pressure that was on Matt Fitzpatrick to uh, reach the pinnacle, if you will, of the U.S. Open, because when when you look at some of these other names on the leaderboard, uh, it's pretty pretty. It's a pretty remarkable field, and I'm just gonna run. I'm just gonna run through the top five very quickly. Uh, obviously, the winner uh, Fitzpatrick. was six under, shooting rounds of 68, 70, 68, and 68. Uh, But when you look under him at who was tied for second, you really start to see what I'm talking about with the, the big names that were involved, uh, on the U.S. Open. Uh, Scotty Scheffler was tied for second. The world number one finished tied for second with Will Zalatoris. Uh, Scheffler finished the tournament with rounds of 70, 67, 71, and 67. And Will Zalatoris finished with rounds of 69, 70, 67, and 69. And the fourth place finisher was Hideki Matsuyama, who is also a big name player, if you will. Uh, He finished with uh, rounds of 70 on Thursday and Friday, Friday, excuse me, and finished Saturday with a 72 and finished the fourth round on Sunday with a 65. And the fifth place finishers were 
Rory McIlroy and Colin Morikawa. Uh, Rory finished Thursday with a 67, Friday with a 69, Saturday uh, finished with a 73, and came back on Sunday with a fourth round finish of 69. And Colin Morikawa uh, finished with a 69 on Thursday, 66 on Friday, a 77 on Saturday, and a 66 in the fourth round on Sunday. So... Obviously, for a guy like a Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, when you're when you find yourself on the leaderboard with all of, with all of the names that I just mentioned, uh, obviously there's a lot of pressure involved, and. end of the day, you've just got to give a lot of credit to him for having overcome those obstacles and that pressure and finding a way to uh, claim victory in the U.S. Open. Uh, the, the next major... Of the year, let me try to pull that pull that up very quickly as I finish up the U.S. Open recap. The next ma- major of the season is the the Open Championship at uh, legendary. The, the legendary uh, old course at St. Andrews. And for many of you golf fans out there, St. Andrews is a name that you are obviously very familiar with. And the Open, as they call it, is scheduled for... July 14th through the 17th. So, a little bit less than a month away now from the Open Championship. And uh, it's just going to be another very exciting time for golf fans. And just one of the many uh, very big happenings that are going to be going on over the next few months in the sports world. So, so with that, guys, that, that is pretty much all of the time that I have for today. Uh, 
I just want to thank you guys so much for tuning into today's edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast, and I will see you soon.